Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, the Bible makes us to understand that there was this particular guy, there was this king of Syria, and he was making war with the king of Israel at that time. The Bible tells us that all the plans of the king of Syria, for some reason, the king of Egypt, the king of Israel knows about them. And the king of Syria started getting worried, started wondering, is there any spy within our camp? Is there somebody who is kind of, you know, you know revealing all our secrets to the king of Israel? And one, as he was getting worried, one of his members, one of his people told him, he said, my friend, relax. The problem is not within the camp. The problem is that there is a prophet in Israel called Elisha. And whatever you say, whatever you are thinking, even in your own bedchamber, for some reason, this guy has this beautiful antenna. He can pick up all those information. Okay, And the Bible tells us that everything that the king of Syria was thinking about, the Lord Almighty was revealing to Elijah, Elisha, and Elisha was telling the king of Israel at that time. As such, the, 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 king of, uh, the king of Syria was a little bit frustrated. And the Bible says that at one point in time, the king of Syria was so frustrated, he said, go and arrest him. And to me, that looked a little bit stupid. Because here is a guy who knows everything that you are thinking. And you are asking him to go and arrest him. Don't you think he already knows that you are coming to arrest him? But I digress. That's the story for another day. Anyway, the king of Syria ordered that they should go and arrest Elisha. And the Bible says that when they, you know, I want to pick up that story from verse number 14. Verse number 14 of 2 Kings chapter 6. The Bible said, therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Remember, they are trying to arrest just one man. And that's when he sent all these people for just one man. Anyway, verse number 15. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? In other words, we are, <laughs> we are toasted. Verse number 16. So he answered, that is Elisha now telling his servant, saying, Hey, do not fear. For those who are with us, are more than them, are more than those who are with them. And the servant must have been thinking, Master, I don't know what you drank. It's very early in the morning. There's a lot of people surrounding us. Whatever you must have been drinking, you need to get off it and get to reality. But anyway, he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Verse number 17, and Elisha, knowing what the servant was thinking, he now prayed a very interesting prayer. The Lord, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open the eyes that he, open his eyes that he may see. The Bible now says that, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and he behold, and he behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So he knew that Elisha was not drinking anything. Elisha was able to see what he could not see. Now, in these verses of scripture that we've read, there are a number of things that I want to point out before we go into the real message this morning. The first thing you see is the presence of a physical army. Okay, the presence of a physical army. The Bible said that this king of Syria sent horses uh, and chariots, uh, a great army, to go and look for Elisha. 
That's the first thing you see. The presence of a physical army. Number two is the existence of another army that was present. Okay? This time, the presence of an invisible army was present at that same time. Though the people could only see the physical, there was also the presence of the spiritual army. The Bible says, open his eyes. And the Bible said, the Lord Almighty opened the eyes of the young man. And he was able to see that the whole mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. Okay, the third thing I want you to notice here is that is the reality. Okay, the reality of spiritual blindness. Okay, spiritual blindness and ignorance. In other words, though the mountain was full of chariots of fire, though the mountain was surrounded by angels, the man at that particular young man could not see it. Okay, he could only see what was happening physically. He could only see the physical army of the Syrian. He could only see the physical Syrian army. He could not see the invisible, invisible host of heaven that was surrounding the mountain. So the reality of spiritual blindness and ignorance, we see it in that particular verse also. I also want you to notice that the fact that the Elisha servant could not see the chariots of fire does not mean that they were not there. The fact that you could not see the spiritual, the fact that something is invisible, does not mean it is not in existence. You understand what I'm trying to say? Amen. The fact that you cannot touch something, the fact that you cannot see something, does not mean it's not there. Many of us are using Wi-Fi. Some of us are watching at, uh, uh, on the phone while I'm talking, which is nice, no problem. It's just that, anyway, let's leave that one there. But many of us are on the telephone, they were doing what we're doing. The way you're able to do it is because there's Wi-Fi connection. You can't see the Wi-Fi, but it's there. The fact that something is invisible does not mean it's not in existence. Amen. That's what you see from that verse of the scripture. Okay? You will also agree that the fact that Elisha's servant did not know about the presence of the chariots of fire, it does not mean that they are not there. In other words, ignorance does not eliminate the presence and the existence of the spiritual forces. The fact that you don't know doesn't mean it's not there. It's just like when you are driving on the roads and the road is 40 miles per hour and you are pressing the gas and you are going at 70. And then you see this beautiful blue Christmas lights right behind you. And then you say, you say, I don't know. Does that mean that the Lord does not know it's no longer in effect? No, it's still there. The fact that you didn't see the sign that it was 40 miles per hour, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get the ticket. Okay? The fact that you didn't know, you did not even recognize, or you decided not to see, or you decided to ridicule the whole idea of 40 miles per hour, it doesn't stop you from getting the ticket. The point we're making is that ignorance does not eliminate. The presence of spiritual forces. It doesn't. The fact that you deny does not make them disappear. I hope you know that. Oh, those things are oh, those are hocus pocus. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't mean that they will disappear. They are still there. The servant of Elisha could talk about it, he could deny it. Okay. His denial does not invalidate the spiritual forces. Okay. Jesting about it, joking about it, making fun about it, calling them, ridiculing them, calling them hocus pocus, calling them wacky, wacky Christians, talking about the fact that Christians are upside down in their thinking. You can say all those things, but that does not invalidate the reality of the spiritual world. Ridicule does not change the reality that there is an existence of spiritual forces. In the earth that we're living in right now. What I'm trying to say is that we live in a world where you have both physical and spiritual elements in operation. The fact that you do not believe in their existence does not matter. 
The fact that you do not know that they exist does not change anything. The fact that you deny or you ridicule the whole idea of a spiritual force does not even deep, does not change anything because the Bible tells us something. If you read the book of Second Corinthians chapter four, in verse number eighteen, the Bible says that while we look not at the things which are seen. But the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the, uh, sorry, why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, spiritual things are more real than physical things. Spiritual things are more real than physical things. If you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, in verse number 3, the Bible says, it says, for by faith we understand that the walls were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made by the things which are visible. In other words, the things that you see physically, they were made by the things that you cannot see. So you find out that this particular design of this place, first of all, existed in the mind of somebody before it became a reality. If you cannot see it in the spirit, you will not be able to achieve it in the physical. It's a simple principle. It is very important for us to understand that the spiritual and the physical realm, they interconnect. Yes. They connected together. What happens in the physical, what happens in the physical has, it, it has, an, has an impact in the spiritual. And that's why we tell you to be very careful what comes out of your mouth. Yes. Be careful the places where you go. Be careful the things that you do. Be careful who you associate with. Because what you do in the physical has an impact in the spiritual. And the same is true. What happens in the spiritual has a physical implication. In other words, what happens in the spiritual has an effect upon your life physically. The spiritual affects physical. And that is why when you see yourself dreaming and you are falling... Progress will be difficult. When you see yourself having sex in the dream, your marriage will be very difficult to be stable. When you see yourself being a slave in the dream, you will not be able to prosper. When you see that yourself that you are losing money, you will have difficulty gathering. What happens in the spiritual impacts you in the physical. It's the reality. You don't have to believe me. You don't need to believe me. But you will see the consequence. I pray you will not see it in Jesus' name. And some of the physical issues... That we face in life, they have what is called spiritual undertones. The things that you see physically, the things that happen to you physically, they have spiritual undertones. And that is why you must pay attention to the dreams that you dream. Because they give you a window into what is happening in the spiritual. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse number 12, the Bible says, It says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Against principalities, but we, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, we live in a world where there is a constant, ongoing battle between the physical and the spiritual. Okay, and Paul is saying that this particular conflict that we're talking about is not a conflict between flesh and blood. It's not a conflict between the guy that likes you or the one that doesn't like your face. He said, no, that is not the conflict. He's saying that this ongoing conflict, this ongoing battle is a battle against spiritual wickedness. It's a battle against principality. It's a battle against rulers of hell, rulers of wickedness in high places. It's a battle against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, we are engaged in an invisible spiritual battle with the host of wickedness. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation chapter 12, 
If you start reading from verse number 12, he said, he said, therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitant of this earth and of the sea. Why? Because the devil has come down to you having a great rod because he knows that he has but a short time. In other words, the devil is pissed that he was kicked out of heaven. And it's going to make life very, very difficult for those of us who are here. That was his intention. Okay? It's just like somebody who has lost all his money. He doesn't care if you lose yours. Right. But the point is that when, when you are messed up, you don't care if another person is messed up. That's what is happening to the devil. And because the devil is messed up, he has been kicked out of heaven, he also wants to make sure that you don't get there. He wants to make sure you don't get there. In other words, the devil and his agent are present and they are active in this world. They are present and they are active in this world. It doesn't matter whether you believe it. It doesn't matter whether you know it. It doesn't matter whether you want to fight or whether you don't want to fight. The devil is fighting you anyway. And they are here and they are active. And the question is, why are they here? What they would want to do? Why are they here? Are they here to just come and have fun and just you know go out with people and do the things that you know and do the things that demons and that demons do? No. What is the purpose of this invisible war, spiritual host of wickedness that we are fighting? Why is the devil and his agent engaged in the spiritual battles with us? What is their goal? From the fall of man, the Bible makes us to understand that the devil's main goal has been to continue to deceive man so that he can mess us up. Yes. And the idea is that as long as he messes, as long as he deceives you and messes you up, you will continue to sin. And as long as you continue to sin, you will not be able to please God. And God will not be happy with you. That is one of his goals. Number two, his intention is to be able to encourage you to give up. To, to not to believe in the Almighty God. To think that God is too slow for God to respond to you. And that's what we saw in the book of Exodus that we read. The people thought that Moses was slow. That Moses was taking too long. So they decided to do what? The devil kind of encouraged them to give up. And they gave up on Moses and started to build a molten calf. That is just the dumbest thing you can imagine. They saw miracles. They saw the, they, 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 they saw the, the Red Sea open unto them. And then you now make a mountain cap from your own earring and you said that's what brought you out. That is how dumb. What it means when somebody is not serving God. They used to say something in the neck of the wood where we come from. He said if a man refuses to serve God, they will serve what does not even up to God. Okay? They will serve foolish things, stupid things. That's what they will serve. And that's what you see the example in the book of Exodus chapter 32 that we read. So the goal of the enemy number one is to mess us up so that we continue to sin against God. It's to be able to encourage us to give up so that we don't trust God anymore. It's to be able to bind us and be, you know, blind us to purpose, to believe that we are all in all. Yeah. And that's why when you talk to some people, they believe they know everything. And they know next to Jack. The Bible says that the man who said there is no God is a fool. Yeah. And we have a lot of foolish people in the universities. Who think that they are smart, but they are so dumb. The idea is that when you look at, I mean, it does it make sense. If you walk into this place this morning, okay? If you walk into this place this morning, you see these things, this uh, recording equipment already set up. And then I turn around, I say, ah, because of a thousand years of evolution, those particular machines, they jump together, they jump together, and they said that to stay strong, so that they can record this African man. Would you believe that, or would you I tell you that somebody came here and said so? Which one makes sense? And some morons come around and tell me that there is no God. But that is what the enemy tells us. He says that when the, when the enemy's intention is to blind us, to believe that we know everything, so that we, do, we, we, we depend upon ourselves, not upon the Almighty God. What is the intention of the enemy? The intention of the enemy is to influence us so that we no longer cooperate with one another. We can split up and then go in our own way. 
And as long as you split up and you go your own way, you are not cooperating with one another, you find that you are weak. The Bible says two are better than one. Because when one falls, the other one is able to pick him up. But you can only do that according to the stories that our brother gave us this morning about love. When we love each other and we stay together. But the intention of the enemy is to split us up. What is the intention of the enemy? The intention of the enemy is that when he has finished dealing with you, when he has finished messing up with you, messing you up, yes. then he can take you captive. Yes. Can take you captive. Yes. It can make you to do the things you don't want to do. Go to places you don't want to go. Eat what you don't want to eat. Walk the walk you don't want to walk. Be living a life that you don't want to live. The intention is that when he cuts you away from the Almighty God, when he causes you to be separated from your loved ones, when he causes you to be puffed up and to think that you can do it by yourself, you are now a prime candidate for him to take captive. And that's what he does. Yes. And then you look at our side today. Many people are so frustrated. Many people are so, they are so disconnected. Why? Because they think they know everything. You cannot correct them. You cannot tell them they did something wrong. You cannot encourage them. You cannot give even a simple compliment. Now it becomes a problem. Because they believe that they have known, they know everything. Now they are the captive in the hands of the enemy. And when you tell them, they say that they are smart. What I tell people is that they have educated themselves into imbeciles. Into morons. And that's a story for another day. Why is the Bible telling us all this? Why is the Bible telling us the goal of the devil? Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, reading from verse number 8. The Bible tells us there, he said, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he will devour. In other words, the enemy is looking for people he's going to take captive. The enemy is looking for people that is going to hold under. The people that is going to repress. If you are not sober, if you are not vigilant, you will walk into the trap of the enemy and you will remain, you become his captive. And that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. And that's why Jesus Christ himself told us, he said, the aim of the devil, if you read the book of John chapter 10, reading from verse number 10, he said, the thief comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. In other words, the enemy comes to steal all the good things that God has deposited in your life. He comes to kill the things that God has made available unto you. He comes to destroy all the things that God has made for you to be able to take you to your destiny. That is the intention of the enemy. And that is why you cannot afford to be ignorant. That is why you cannot afford not to be aware of the powers that are going on in the spiritual because the devil will take advantage of your ignorance and take you captive. It's as simple as that. And like I said earlier, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe me. You don't even have to take my word for it. But by the time you start checking your life, you will know that the enemy has been playing a number on you. The problem is that many do not even know that the number that the enemy has been doing a number on them. When this when this you know when this happened to them, they find a way to explain it. And in our culture, we have all sorts of names for all sorts of things. Okay? Something happened, they have a name. ALS, whatever level. They have all sorts of names for it. And the interest is that we have even made it so nice, we say, my disease. We even personalize it. We call it upon ourselves. And the devil is happy to say, continue to own it because that's where I want to have you. Okay? The doctors have a name for all sorts of oppression of the devil. Our society has conditioned us to rationalize and to accept all the things that the enemy is throwing at us. But the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians chapter 3. 
Galatians chapter 3, verse number 13, the Bible says, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law, having become a cause for us, for it is written, causes everyone that is had a hands upon a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, there is a reason why Jesus Christ came. And the reason is to be able to deliver us from all the captivity that the enemy has set. The traps that he has set in the life of an individual. The traps that he has set for families. The traps that he has set for churches that we have walked into. He has come to deliver us. Christ has come. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because he became a curse for us. That we might be able to receive the blessings of Abraham. The question is there. How do you know? When there are some invisible battles going on in your life. How do you know? How do you know that the enemy has been playing some number on you? How do you know that the enemy has been eating your lunch and you do not know? How do you know that the enemy has been taking advantage of you? How do you know that you are fighting an invisible battle and you lay no? How do you know? Number one, you know. If you read the book of Haggai chapter one. Haggai chapter one, reading from verse number six, the Bible says. He said, you sow much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no, but no one is warm. And who earns wages? They earn it into a bag with hole. In other words, there is perpetual insufficiency in the life of an individual. It's not because you are lazy. It's not because you are not working. It's not because your job is not paying very well. But you find out that you cannot stretch the dollar. Your harvest is not meeting harvest. When you find those kind of things happening in your life, you know the devil is in operation. It's not because you don't know how to manage money. You have gone to seminars. You have learned money management. You've even done Dave Ramsey's, uh, whatever that thing is, in <laughs> financial university. You have done everything. But yet things are not falling in place. The reason is because the enemy is in operation. Number two, how do you know that the enemy is in operation? Look at that same Hagar. He said that you do not have enough because there is a pattern of unfulfilled desires in your life. There are things that you long for. There are things you want to see happen in your life. There are things that happen to people next to you. They go to places, they see the result. But for some reason, you put your hands but you cannot find it. It's not because you are not good. It's not because you are not educated. It's not because you are not hardworking. But there is an invisible barrier that is keeping you from stepping yeah. into your fulfillment. When you see that happening, when you see that recurring pattern happening in your life, when you see that particular pattern of failure going on, you know the enemy is in operation. Yeah. Number three, how do you know that the enemy is in operation? Look at Haggai chapter 1 again. In verse number 9, the Bible says, You look for much, but indeed it comes you, it comes to little. And when you brought it in, I blew it away. That is when, when you see that you receive bonus at work. That is when your machine will break. That's when the car will break down. That's when one child will be sick. That's when they will be called from whatever country you come from and they ask you to send money. You find out that something is taking it. There is the devourer in operation. This unproductive level. You are working but you are not seeing the result. You know the enemy is in operation when this is happening. Number four, how do you know the enemy is in operation? The enemy, you know the enemy is in operation when you have this aborted and wasted efforts. Aborted and wasted efforts. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus chapter 26. It said those of you who are left shall waste away. In other words that you find that you put in your work. 
your work, your effort is aborted. You are about to stretch to the next level and you find out that that thing becomes elusive. You are trying to do the things that other people are doing and they are getting results and you are doing it and failure is, is, is attending on to you. You are gathering money and you are saving and all of a sudden some guy in Wall Street will go and create a financial chaos and all your savings will be wiped away. You find out that all your efforts are aborted and wasted. When those kind of things are happening, you know the devil is in operation. Not only that, you know the enemy is in operation when there is barrenness and emptiness. There's no productivity in your life. There is no growth. The Bible said that whatever we lay our hands upon shall be shall prosper. When you lay your hands upon something, instead of moving forward, that thing is going down. You know the enemy is not is, is, you know, is in operation. And also you now find that when less, when life is delivering less than what you expect. Now please understand. There is a difference between when you suffer lack and insufficiency as a result of laziness. There is also a difference when you are when that is happening as a result of the work of the enemy. I am not one of those people who believe that the devil is responsible for everything. I've always joked here that when we eventually see the devil and you and you're not, and then the God starts asking questions, what about this one that you did? I say the devil makes me say, devil says, ah, stop, 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 stop. This one, I did not do it. You did this one by yourself. Okay? <laughs> when you were doing this foolishness, this is your own. I have nothing to do with this one. The devil will deny certain things that we will accuse him later. But the point I'm making is that when you put in an honest effort, when you put in an honest work, when you have prepared yourself, when you are doing your work diligently and the result is not showing, you know there is a problem. Right. You know there is a problem. Right. When you are giving it the efforts, you are praying for your kids. You're going to work. You're doing everything. But life, for some reason, seems to be giving you the short end of the stick. You know the enemy is in operation. When you have unexplainable sicknesses, and you see the same pattern of sickness in your family, the same pattern of sickness in your house, uh, the husband, you know, the, the grandfather died of this, the father died of it, and you're also getting ready to die of the same problem. You know the enemy is in operation. You know the devil is behind this battle and you must understand that the battles are different for different individuals. The frequency of the battles are different from every individual. But one thing you must understand these days uh, that people are telling you know, a lot, a lot of these things happen because of certain things that has happened in the past. So why do some people have more problems than the other? Is it because they are just bad luck? Or is it because God doesn't just like their face? Or is it because they are not just good enough? Or they did not pray enough? Or did not come to church enough, or did not give enough money. That is not the situation. Why do some people have attract bad luck more than other? I mean, what is the source of these particular battles? What are the you know, why, what is this thing that brings these individual invisible battles to the forefront in our lives? The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26, if you read from verse number two, the Bible says, As the bird by wandering, and as the swallow by flying. So the cost costless shall not come. Let's decode that into modern day English. What the Bible is simply saying is this. A cost cannot take effect unless there is a reason. In other words, the devil cannot operate in your space. The devil cannot touch your life, touch your finances, touch your children, touch the work of your hand unless there is a reason for it. When, where there is a cost, where the enemy is operating, where the enemy is having a field day. Have you ever seen this particular commercial of uh, Metamusics or something that, that deals with uh, sinus? Yeah. And you see this sinus sitting in the bath, scrubbing his back yeah. and do something like that. When the devil is playing that kind of a trick on you, you know there is a reason for it. It's either you were walking too much outside and there was pulling and that's why you began to have this sinus. That's why this thing. But the point I'm making is that there, where there is a cause, where the enemy is operating, there is a reason for it. Yeah. In other words, the invisible spiritual battle we face, they have a source. 
There is a reason for the invisible battle. And from the pages of scripture you will see. The first reason why we have a lot of battle. Is because of our inheritance and evil foundation. Inheritance and evil foundation. The sins of our forefathers. The continuing sins of our own lives. The things that we have all to put our hands into. The broken dedication that we have had to the devil. Those are some of the reasons. The inheritance and evil foundation. Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus 26. It says, for those of you who are left shall waste away in their own iniquity in their enemy's land. Also in their father's iniquity. Your father is a gambler. Your father is one who is involved in human trafficking. Definitely the sins of the father will be seen in the life of the children. You will have an effect. It will have an effect on you. When your, when your ancestors have shed blood of the innocent for some reason, you will find out that the blood will cry out just like the blood of Abel. There are so many, so many things that are foundation, that is in our foundation that is affecting our lives today. And that is some of the places where these particular issues are coming from. Number two, when you decide to live a unholy and a sinful life, definitely you are going to attract unnecessary trouble for yourself. You open the door for the enemy to come in and do whatever he wants to do in your life. And that's why the Bible makes us to understand if we could read the book of Matthew chapter 12. In verse number 43, the Bible says, When an unclean, unclean spirit go out of a man, he goes through a dry places, seeking rest and find none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. And he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they come and they enter and dwell there. And the last set of the man is worse than the first. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.